Welcome to Red Maryland Radio, the Red Maryland Network's flagship show. Here are your hosts, Brian Griffiths and Greg Klein. And we are live here, another brand new episode of Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network, coming to you live from the Al Davis studio in the bucolic, albeit crisp, western shore of Maryland, along the banks of the semi-historic Magothy River. You are listening to the Voice of Maryland, Maryland's leading conservative talk show, Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. I am your host, Brian Griffiths, with me in studio, Greg Klein. Good to be here. It is good to be here. Greg, we have got a absolute cornucopia of, oh, things to, of things to talk about tonight. A cornucopia? Uh, wow. A, there was a rush to judgment on the Confederate monuments, which may cost the city a bit. Um, the governor is making all the right moves on transportation policy. The governor's opponents are making all the wrong moves on the school schedule, and uh, that, uh, that didn't work out for them. The, uh, the Kerwin Commission has pushed its recommendations. It's punted it beyond the elections. We'll talk about that. Yeah, that Kerwin Commission is not being talked about anywhere near enough. Uh, well, if you go to redmaryland.com, it's being talked about at length. I know you have a piece. I yes. know we've been talking about it. But right. Um, that's why our audience is the most informed on it. Greg, you love it when we talk about um, gun rights activists. I, I'm a big fan of gun rights. As I am question I. their tactics, and we have another example of, you yeah, know, there's, there's a jamoke, if you want to help, don't help. Yeah, there's a jamoke from Pennsylvania who needs to needs to have a stern talking. To I want to have. I want to reach out and try to convince this person. You want to call him a jamoke and other words that begin with J. Jabroni is that the word you were looking for? Well, that it, that's one you use. It's not the one you used uh, earlier, but that's okay. You'll get to it. You'll just go through your Rolodex. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ami Hober's congressional announcement this week. So we'll take we'll break that down for you. People say they like when we do kind of the riff tracks of videos. So we'll, we're going to have that tonight. Right. Uh, all that in your phone call seven six zero two five nine two seven one one. Greg, for lack of a better term, this is the Halloween edition. Of Red Maryland Radio. Is it? If you will. Well, and I, and we'll I be will. on after Halloween. Correct. That's right. Uh, and I want to give an opportunity because I know there are several people in the in the northern Anne Arundel County area who may want a pumpkin. Yes. I give you the opportunity to tell people about that. Uh, yeah, we're selling pumpkins at Emanuel Lutheran Church. I was out there all weekend. I'll be out there this weekend as well. If you come Friday, Saturday evening, you see your boy. Get them while you can. They're going fast. We're actually having a lot of uh, uh, good results. Um so they, they get them while you can. We'll sell them right up to Halloween. So There you go. And, of course, Greg's Church, the Lutherans, celebrating 500 years of yeah. uh, Choose Your Own Adventure. Yeah. Yeah. This Sunday. You know what? I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not going to take the bait. I'm not going to rise to the bait. Okay. I'm going to turn the other cheek. But I you did to your say, show on Sunday. I was say, you did say you enjoyed that show. So It was entertaining. <laughs> I, I might want to just correct you on a couple things. Not that, not that your general thesis was... Incorrect. I, say, I, I knew you agreed with me on the general point, but not the uh, there is that I knew there would be you'd be disagreeing at the edges. Let's put it that way. Yes. <laughs> yes. The 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 um, the the establishment of the throne of Peter. Protestants have a different take on that piece of scripture. So we can and and put and a look, pin in that. You are free to be wrong. And that's fine. Oh, well, that's and, good. Oh, so- thank you for that. <laughs> We've been free to be hey, wrong speaking, for 500 years. Speaking of Even people, though a lot of things that were argued 500 years ago, the Catholic Church has adopted. Hey, that's, speaking, no, that's fine. Speaking of people who are free to be wrong, Baltimore, for not burning us. Baltimore City was told that they were wrong. Um, 
Yeah, you, you walked all over my segue there. I had a good one. So let's keep. Going. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. 500 years is a lot, and, and I... Well, that's that's you, some... You brought it all up That's again. leading analysis. 500 years is a lot. <laughs> it's analysis you don't get anywhere You're else. You're free to be wrong. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> so the headline, jerks. the headline Papers from the Baltimore jerks. Sun this afternoon, believe it or not, and Greg, I know this, this is fantastic. The headline, Baltimore lacked authority to take down Confederate statues, and state says it could, but won't, order them restored. So let's let's follow along with all of this, okay? Okay. The Maryland Historical Trust has concluded that Baltimore officials didn't have the legal authority to remove three monuments to the Confederacy, and while acknowledging it doesn't plan to, the state agency reserved the right to order the city to put them back. Elizabeth Hughes, director of the Maryland Historical Trust, shared these conclusions in an October 20 letter to the head of Baltimore's Architectural Preservation Agency. She cited a 1984 contract between the state and the city that gave the trust final say on any changes to the monuments. Hughes wrote that the state trustees, quote, will not concede that MHT lacks the authority to compel restoration. That said, the trustees believe that the best way forward is for MHT and the city to work cooperatively towards a mutual resolution. In the wake of violent protests in Charlottesville in August, Baltimore Mayor Catherine Pugh ordered the removal of four statues in Baltimore, including those commemorating Confederate generals, soldiers, and sailors, and women, and one of Roger Taney, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, who wrote the Dred Scott decision declaring black Americans had no civil rights. Pugh's staff concluded that she had broad authority to order the monuments taken down under her powers to safeguard the public and under the city parks department director's responsibility to protect the monuments. Two of the statues already been vandalized. Red paint had been thrown on the Confederate soldiers and sailors monument in Bolton Hill. While someone had scrawled Black Lives Matter on the base of the Lee Jackson monument in Wyman Park. Crews began taking down the monuments on late on a Tuesday night with no notice to the public. The same week, the state removed a statue of Tawny. Thank you. On the state house grounds in Annapolis. Right. I remember that. Um, the debate about what to do with statues honoring Confederates is well the country. They were put up long after the Civil War during an era of racial segregation, and are viewed by many historians and others as a public display of white supremacy. Some were, some were. But supporters of keeping the monuments in place say they are part of the country's history that should remain on public display. City solicitor Andre Davis said the city had not responded formally to the state trust. We remain confident that an acceptable resolution of the different perspectives on these issues is within reach, he said in a statement. So, Greg, let's, let's break it down here. Let's break it down. In the wake of what happened in Charlottesville, Okay, uh-huh. we saw a lot of rash action that was taken. The city acted first, of course. Right. Um, you know, they they just decided unilaterally to take the statues down without actually asking anybody. It well, and, like. and at the time, there was mention that the Maryland Historical Trust had some authority over this. There were questions about whether proper notice had been given, whether they actually had the authority. Th- these questions were raised at the time. And the mayor just decided in the heat of the moment. And, of course, what's important to remember is now that we are all of how many months? Three months away from that? Two. Two months away from that. Uh, the temperature has gone down significantly. Um, most people in Baltimore, if they saw one of the – maybe not the Lee Jackson one, but, like, the Sailors Memorial would have had no idea what it is. Okay. The fact is you had a lot of reaction in the heat of the moment. The thought was this was going to happen over and over again. Of course, it hasn't. It was, and um, 
The mayor, look, the mayor took advantage of it. This was something that the prior mayor had talked about doing, and she had hearings, and she had discussions, and nothing had ever been formally done, and Mayor Pugh saw an opportunity just to remove this stuff. She didn't have the authority to do it. She probably knew she was going to not have the authority to do it, and... You know, they decided, well, we're just going to do it anyway, and we're going to claim it's public safety. Politically, she'd get away with it, which, of course, she has. But the Maryland Historical Trust uh, rightly is, and and they're not going to force them to be put back up because politically that's untenable. Um, but they've they've asserted themselves here, and there's going to be some costs involved uh, with this. What's interesting, though, is the way this is being reported in the Sun, and it's important to to give some background here because. Sure. The Maryland Historical Trust is um, is one of the one of the many many independent semi independent state agencies that we have in Maryland. The, the members include the governor, the president. I, I looked at a little bit of this today. The president of the Senate, the Speaker of the House, the governor. There are I think twelve members appointed by the governor for four year terms. wasn't clear in what I looked at whether they're all appointed at the same time or whether they're appointed overtimes. I don't know if all of the current members were appointed by this governor or not. I don't know that. If they're like any other board, probably not, okay? Um, and there are non-voting members who represent counties who aren't represented by the voting members. And a couple members have to be, you know, have to have PhDs in archaeology or something. So th- this is this is one of these boards. The impression is when you say state agency, it sounds like it's it's the executive branch of the governor's, you know, the executive branch and the governor is ultimately in control, which he isn't. Correct. But I think the subtext of the headline is, you know, you know, evil Governor Hogan and the evil Republican state government is thinking about putting these back. I, that That's the impression that I get even though what they're really doing is preserving their prerogatives as they are legally legally created and um, not only empowered, but obligated mm-hmm. to protect these, um, these state symbols, these, these pieces. It's a trust. It's a historical trust. It's a Maryland historical trust. Yeah. These and- items are placed in trust. It's their obligation legally and every other way to protect these things and you can't just have local governments or anybody else for that matter just willy-nilly deciding to tear them down and throw them in some some you know parking lot somewhere which if you see some of the pictures which is where these things are yeah your feelings don't get to trump state law which is exactly what happened here is right you know the mayor decided that she was going to act unilaterally illegally to take these statues down just because the historical trust is not enforcing their ability to to have the statues restored doesn't mean that they lose that ability in the future because then you know if and and again look i don't really care about the statues all that much right. my problem is process because you know this this just goes to show you that at least in city government tends to act however it wants to, irregardless of what the law actually says. And this is another example where hysteria, you know, took precedence over the rule of law. You know, we didn't agree necessarily I mean, we didn't with how the Taney statue came down, but it was legal. The state historical trust took a vote. 
You're talking the one on the state house grounds. Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, so at least at least the procedures were followed. The people who had the authority gave the authority. Right. As opposed to uh, as opposed to Mayor Dixon, who you know who just went willy nilly and did this. Now, of course, the fun part about all this is the fact that if the state hadn't decided to if the historical trust had decided to enforce their prerogative it would have cost the city expense they would have cost paid them more money to to put the statutes back up because they acted rashly instead of actually acting with yeah i mean they actually i mean you, you can beat them up i mean ultimately this is a political issue and while the maryland historical trust is asserting that the the city act in an extra legal fashion um they're gonna end up resolving this you know, somehow, um, so that the Maryland Historical Trust doesn't completely lose face or give away any prerogatives that they have. But th- these statutes aren't going to go back up, and they're going to be dispersed somewhere. Um, but the but your your point is your point is right. I mean, we're looking back now, all of two months later, and seeing with you know out of the heat of the moment how rashly this was done. And how 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 elected officials really some maybe happily to take advantage of it, some acting out of fear and panic politically did things that really, if they had taken the time to think about it and go through the process, wouldn't have happened the way that they happened. And they should have done that. You know, these things have been up for decades and decades. It shouldn't be that easy just to tear them down in the middle of the night. Correct. Um, Even if you agree that they should be removed. Well, even if, yeah, exactly. Even if you think it should be removed. I mean, so you give credit to the previous mayor of Baltimore is at least going through that process. Um, The other thing, though, is that, and this is a lesson, you know, I I think the governor, yes, the governor followed policy, but I think the governor has, I think the governor has come to appreciate the error in how quickly he did that and he gave in. I don't think it was a decision he's, you know, he's going to be. He's going to put on his proudest moments as governor. Uh, but we saw, look, we saw Kittleman do the same thing with a monument out in Howard County. There's some question as to whether that got removed with the proper notice to, you know, the, the groups that, that were, that had some stakeholder interest in that. Um, so it's an interesting story. And, you know, look, Mayor, the mayor of Baltimore is not going to take a hit politically because she broke the law to take these things down. And if anything, she'll wear it as a badge of honor. But again, it's, it's, uh, I I don't know. We're going to look back at that chapter, tearing these statues down as we were saying at the time and, and see it with regret and, and what a mistake it was and how it was done. And hopefully, hopefully when the next thing, the next, you know, event happens that the left tries to use to to advance this agenda again uh we, we'll you know have this and we can point this out as something to remember uh by the way just as kind of a segue to that um something you talked about on the refuge last night great show conservative by refuge you, if you do say so yourself i, do. I did enjoy it so Thank i will, you. I will say you. that uh i i you know you talked about the bladensburg peace cross i did and you know how you have these supreme you know they, these activist courts yeah, being you know siding with these secular lunatics to take down a war memorial because it has a cross on it, you know. And all I could think back to was, you know, most people, I think, you know, would agree with with us that taking down that memorial is just 
totally ludicrous and completely invented case law and a complete misinterpretation of the Constitution, uh, which is why the governor ordered uh, you know Brian Frost to right. to create that amicus brief. Um, or file well, an amicus brief. He put the onus on him to take some sort of action. We'll see what he does. Okay. That yeah. being said, um, you know, you've got the mayor of Baltimore acting illegally when it comes to these monuments. You had what happened with the Taney statue on State House grounds. Tawny. Tawny statue on the State House grounds. Um, you have what's going on with this Peace Cross. Tell me again why we were overreacting about the state flag? No, I, I you're 100% correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Um, funny story actually happened today, actually. Um, the the esteemed There's president. There's a cross on the state flag, by the way. Yeah, so that's, that's my point. The esteemed. Shh, don't tell anybody. Yeah. The esteemed president of the Young Democrats had a, had a bit of a nutty today. As we are wont to do... Um, <laughs> We, it started as, as it started as well. No, you set it up, and then I'll give you my. Well, story. as you know, if you follow us on Twitter at Red Merrill, and if you don't, and if you're not, you're missing a lot. Why aren't you? You're missing half the show. Um, we tweet out things regarding the shows. Hey, Greg yes. talked about this last night. Greg yes. talked about um, BDS last night, or got the governor's opposition to to BDS. Right. Um, That'll be relevant to our conversation later when we talk about school counts. So there was a tweet sent out from the account. Yes. uh, Saying, hey, here's the governor standing up against the anti-Semitism that the Democrats refused to stand up against. Which was the point of my first segment. The governor is going on the offensive and and dealing with the, 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 you know, the BDS, the... um, If you're not familiar with it, go back and listen to the show. I'm not going to rehash the whole thing. But the governor issued an executive order uh, preventing state agencies from contracting with companies who are involved with the BDS movement, the anti-Israel BDS movement. Boycott, diversification. Uh, boycott, by divestment. And I always forget the S. <laughs> Sanctions. Sanctions, thank you. And uh, protect protect a lot of the economic interests and cooperation that the state of Maryland has had for a long time with the state of Israel. The legislature has failed for years to pass similar legislation, the governor finally said, enough, I'm not going to wait for the legislature any longer. I'm going to issue um, an executive order. Um, it doesn't go as far as maybe state legislation could, but it does deal with contracts. And, and probably there aren't any contracts now who which are already compliant with this, but it protects that from happening in the future. And it, what's interesting is um, the, the governor was getting a lot of kudos from the Jewish community. Um, and again, we'll go back. To, there's a political angle to that. But the point is, that was the first segment on last night's Conservative Refuge Radio. So, so, and Brian often does this. I have to give him credit. Sets up, you know, some scheduled tweets to promote the show on Twitter. And he'll, you know, maybe have one tweet for each segment. Or, you know, Greg talked about this. Greg talked about that. Here's the latest. Sometimes he'll do it in a way that kind of trolls people I'm talking about or tries to get a reaction. That's what Brian does. It's great. Um, it often works, and it often works with hilarious results as it, did, as it did in this circumstance because people don't actually listen to the podcast or actually pay attention to what they're doing. So this fellow... Right. Here's, here's the original tweet that started it all. Right. 
Larry Hogan t- takes a stand against anti-Semitism after MD Dems refused to. Right. Link to the show. Hashtag MD politics. Right. Hashtag, Which was the first segment. Hashtag MD gov. Hashtag right. BDS. Okay. So Which was exactly esteemed, what the first segment of the show was. The esteemed yeah. young Dems president. Boy, bye. This was a case started before Hogan came into office and the Park Service was fighting. Had nor has nothing to do with Hogan. That's, a re- that's, right. that's the response to the governor standing up against anti-Semitism. And that particular tweet. And then the guy says, well, it only went to something about the peace cross. Well, you know. The link, ori- he's what he said. The link originally went to only the Peace Cross article. There right. is no Peace Cross article, by the way. Right. There isn't a the, the article, the the post on Red Maryland was a a rundown of what the show topics were about, and there was a picture with the show post because we know y'all love pictures. Maybe some don't get further than the pictures. Yeah. There was a picture. Reading of, is fundamental. It's not a pictograph. There are words with it. Um. There was a picture of the Peace Cross, and that was what we discuss- What I discussed. I don't know why I say we. It's just me. Uh, discussed in segment two, and there was and there was a mention of that. So this guy just saw the picture and assumed that's what it was about, and reflexively tweeted. And then when we called him out on it, he tried to backpedal and sidle, and and you and he had you know tried to uh, <laughs> troll each other as much as you could. And then then I'm kind of like, dude, you know, I put the post up. I know what it says. It's that not was my just favorite about that. Just read he, the words. That was my favorite part where he tried to explain to you what was in the post. Yeah. I wrote the post. I know what's in it. I know it's not just about, you know, and I checked the link. It's not. I, I originally thought the guy said the link you included in the tweet went to the article. That's what that he I, said. That I had linked. About the peace cross, oh, but no. it doesn't. the The link that you had in the tweet goes to the post at redmaryland.com about the Conservative Refuge podcast. Correct. Which the number one little bullet point is talking is is setting up the discussion of the BDS. Right. Didn't so so he didn't read the link. Didn't listen to the show. Right. He saw the picture and figured that's all it was about. Right. And <sighs> we called him on it. Yeah. The and one- he got mad. And, he wa- and wonder why the Democrats and you and he are, went back and forth. And, and, and you have to wonder you know. why the Democrats are a total dumpster fire because they can't read or choose not to read. Take no. your pick. <sighs> They're playing on our side who don't read either. Well, but the point is that's true. The point is uh, it's it's one of those things on Twitter that we get into sometimes. So but anyway, it's a great show. Check it out. Why he don't we listen? And I encourage them to do that. I encourage take, you to do. That. Why don't we take a break? Oh, well, we, we can take a break if you want. When sure. we come back, we'll talk about. Uh, all the ways the governor is making Democrats angry, which is plentiful, plentiful. Stick with us. You are listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. You can help Red Maryland grow our reach when you visit redmaryland.com and click on the Amazon link and shop as normal. A portion of your purchase will come back to Red Maryland to help us grow. Additionally, you can buy Red Maryland t-shirts, drinkware, and other gear from our Zazzle store at zazzle.com slash redmaryland. We want to hear from you. Email us at any time at redmaryland at gmail.com. You can also leave audio feedback on our Red Maryland talkback line at 410-205-4875. We might use your feedback on our programming. You are listening to Maryland's most trusted conservative voice, 
the Red Maryland Network. Be sure to follow Red Maryland on all of the major social networking sites. You can follow us at Red Maryland on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Snapchat, and Tumblr to get the latest from Red Maryland. And be sure to follow the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com. Celebrating five years as Maryland's only network that matters, you're listening to the Red Maryland Network. Radio FM Radio Radio Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. I am Brian. He is Greg. Good to be here. And you're listening to the radio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can you dig it? Can you? You know what I can dig? What's that? Well, the governor announced this week on transportation policy. I don't know. I'm sure that you've seen it by now, Greg. Yeah, have fun with your important conversations and your big issues with your brains and your smart stuff, okay? Yeah. Well, that's what yeah. we have to get back to. I didn't Charlie. go to an Ivy League school, though, so, you know. <laughs> That's why I don't have manners? Is that how this works? Anyway, um, headline. I have, I have no idea what you're talking about now. I was referring to a comment the president made recently. No. Um, headline. Hogan announces $50 million signal improvement on Maryland highways to improve traffic flow. Okay. Drivers in 14 state highway corridors in Maryland will see their travel times cut over the next year as a result of a $50 million upgrade to traffic signals, Governor Hogan said Wednesday. The new system, billed as the second phase, Hogan's program to relieve highway traffic congestion will use artificial intelligence to better synchronize signals and improve traffic flow, officials said. The governor said the adaptive signal control system replaces technology that is more than 20 years old. Nearly 700,000 Marylanders will benefit every day from these transformational improvements, Hogan said during a news conference at the State Highway Administration Ops Center in Hanover. The Smart Signals program follows Hogan's announcement last month of a $9 billion initiative to add lanes to the Capitol Beltway, the Baltimore-Washington Parkway, and Interstate 270. That announcement was fiercely criticized by environmental advocates, but his new initiative is receiving a warmer warmer reception. Rather, This is a welcome approach that makes the existing infrastructure perform better, said Drew Schmidt-Perkins, executive director of the conservation group 1000 Friends of Maryland. The signal program is designed to adjust the traffic conditions in real time, 24 hours a day, without the need for human intervention. Current traffic signals are pre-programmed according to highway engineers' expectations, but can't react to crashes, construction, or unusual events. While much smaller in scale than the road-widening plan, the second phase is expected to deliver more immediate congestion. All of the 14 corridors are in metropolitan Baltimore or Washington. None are in Baltimore because the city operates its own road system and receives annual payments to maintain state highways within its borders. So, this is great, Greg. This is this is Oh, Route 2 is the first one to get the improvements. Uh-huh. Nice. Uh-huh. Nice. Uh-huh. That's a also, nice. Also also uh that, that's where I live. Also the Route 3 corridor in in West County, too. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Which is which that's is fine important. for them. Good for them. Um so Greg. Yes. You know, it's funny to see this because some of the Democrats, of course, are absolutely losing their minds over this. 
uh, because the governor is spending $50 million uh, on a plan that immediately, immediately upgrades, you know, the transportation issues, you know, the, the, the traffic flow on these highways. You would think... Um, you know, because a lot of the Democrats, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, Democrats talk about, oh, well, this money should have gone to transit in Baltimore City, and this. Well, that's all they're that's all they're talking about. I mean, they that's want, all they know. The I mean, you have Democrats now, including some of those running for governor, saying, I saw Kevin Kamen say this today: you can't reduce road construction by building more roads, more lanes, and more roads. This is their mentality. Their ideas, and I've heard people comment to us when we've when we've talked about this, that you can't reduce congestion on roadways by building more capacity on the roads. If you build more roads, the, the the assumption is if you build more roads, there'll just be more people driving, and it's this it's this perverse view that cars are bad, and you know that that we need to we need to get as we need to get fewer cars on the road just just like their views on energy we can't have more energy because people use more energy then we need to make energy more expensive so that people use less um you know and and of course they always want to swing the pendulum towards most of the money for state transportation going to um Mass transit, whether it's buses, trains, right? Et this is exact. They're all pushing exactly the transportation agenda that we had under the O'Malley administration, and we saw what a failure this was. The governor is pushing an agenda that is focused on where most of the transportation takes place, right? And putting the resource, bringing that pendulum back towards the middle. At this point, he hasn't gotten it the other way, despite the hysterics of the left. To say, look, we have people driving cars. We need to reduce traffic congestion. That means having intelligent approaches that make what we have better. It means expanding the capacity to uh, to accommodate the traffic that we have. And look, here's the thing, too, because this is, you know, and, and I think that people, some people fail to realize this, is the fact that you have you have multiple problems when you start talking about, tra- you know, your, your highway infrastructure. Right. You've got your limited access highways. The beltways, right. 95, 270, right. where the only thing that's going to fix the problem is more lane capacity. Yeah. You know, that's. Or that's building the, alternate routes around it. Right. That's the. Well, which is kind of the which same is still thing. still new lane Which capacity. is the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, even if, if you get people to where they're going, even on the limited access highways, if they get off and the secondary highways, if you will, you know the re- the roads that you right. know that we're talking about here right. that have right. traffic lights and such. Then you're still not actually fixing the problem. You're just moving the bottleneck along somewhere else. Right. True. And that's what that's what the key to this is because you know the the governor's plan to build additional lane miles on on 270, the Capitol Beltway, et cetera. You know that's going to first off that's going to be a long term project as we talked about. Sure. And secondly, it's going to require time to get the construction in place and to you know make sure these these roads get open this is going to go into effect pretty quickly all things being equal all you have to do is get the signals timed uh with the computer and and look i'm not going to pretend that i know how you know all the nuts and bolts of the technology of how this works but you know it's a lot quicker to change the signal timing on a light than it is to build another lane build a bypass or whatever and people are going to see the impact of this immediately yeah. And that's the key. I mean, it's like, you, yeah, it's going to take 10 years to maybe 
to to get these new lanes on you know on on two seventy or four ninety five. You know, it's it would take and, it would and, take ten years. It's ten, look how long right. it's taken to build the purple line. And, and, as and, it and is. you know what? They're legitimate questions about how you're going to build those. Where are you going to put them? Those are legitimate questions. But again, of course they are. But again, and I'm interrupting you, and I apologize. The the point is the governor sees traffic congestion and he's creating policies and putting state resources um, towards solving the problem. You want to know why we have such terrible traffic congestion? It's because you've had Democrats in control of the state for so long who are tied to mass transit. If mass transit was the solution to our transportation problems, they'd have been solved. We keep jacking up the, the gas tax. We keep pouring billions and billions and billions of dollars into infrastructure under under O'Malley and Glendening and all these guys. And the traffic, especially in these key areas, in the Washington uh, metropolitan area, keeps getting worse. And the reason is because we're not going after the fundamental problem. Okay? And this environmentalist approach that if you make it so inconvenient for people to drive their cars, they'll stop driving and taking and take mass transit is 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 a horrible policy one that is terribly unpopular frankly with people who drive their cars for a living and is and it doesn't work all you've been doing is leading more and more people to spend more and more of their lives away from their families and and other productive activities to sit on highways in traffic and here the governor is trying to in innovative ways that spend that still managed to spend within our means to to find ways to fix this. This is one way where we can use technology to make things run smoother. Okay, the other is to expand these things with with the triple P's, the private public private partnerships. Find ways to fund this. The Democrats are uh, the reality is what the what the governor's doing is exposing that the Democrats really are an empty cabinet an empty you know they have no ideas on how to solve transportation problems except Mm -hmm. mass transit boondoggles yeah mass massive investments in mass transit that's their solution right we've tried it and it doesn't work right and they want to and they you know part of that is because they want to control exactly where people live exactly where people can build etc and so forth that goes back to all of that centralized planning you know that you know, Glenn Denning and, and other Democrats have tried to push over the years. It, it, it's that, and, it, and it, it mollifies one of their key constituencies, which is the environmentalists. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, traffic problems in Maryland never get fixed. They become intractable. And you wonder why. It's because the Democrats aren't interested in fixing the problem with cars, too many cars on the highway. They want, they want you to be stuck in traffic. That... that <laughs> That makes you more willing to spend more and more of your hard-earned money on mass transit, which is terribly inefficient, which the vast, vast, vast majority of you don't use and couldn't use uh, to be a substitute for getting back and forth to where you need to go. Correct. And so they, they've kind of got you trapped here. The, the governor is putting the lie to and, – and what's being set up here, the Democrats are once again, and the governor very adroitly politically – is showing a very sharp contrast between Maryland policy under the Democrats and Maryland policy under what he's doing. Transportation, it's so clear. He's spending money improving roads, improving infrastructure. He's he's t- has ambitious plans to, to reduce traffic congestion on roadways. He's been very 
uh, very careful about spending more on mass transit, proving some projects, not improving others. Okay. He's, he's very skeptical about major investments in Metro unless they make improvements. You know, this is, this is in such sharp contrast to what the Democrats want to do. And none of them has come up with anything, despite all of these guys who are so smart and innovative and policy wizards in this clown car running for governor. None of them have come up with anything that addresses the problem of people being stuck on the Beltway and I-270 in a way that actually solves their problems in the near term or the long term. Correct. All they do is go back to exactly the same things Martin O'Malley wanted to do and Paris Glendening wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. Hey, speaking of uh, speaking of key Democratic constituencies, the Democrats bend over backwards to try to um, you know, try to mollify. Right. Let's talk about the teachers union, Let's which uh, and Greg, you talked about it on not this week's refuge, but last week's refuge. I didn't want to do that. You talk? No, you didn't. You talked about the. Uh, you, you talked about school schedules and the, the yes. Democrats' attempts to make uh, to to make out Governor Hogan as some sort of anti-Semite because um, yes, a, because they were going to be forcing people to go to school on on Jewish holidays. Well, right. guess what? Guess who backed down from that threat? This, oh, was, yeah, this they, was in Montgomery County, right. by the way. Headline, MCPS superintendent's calendar plan would shorten spring break in 2018-19. Proposal deal with scheduling crunch preserves time off for Jewish holidays, includes two full teacher planning days. The Montgomery County Public School superintendent has suggested shortening spring break by four days to squeeze the 2018-19 academic calendar inside a state-mandated time frame. The schedule presented Tuesday to school board members would include two, two full teacher planning days, preserve time off, on two Jewish holidays and provide 182 instructional days, two more than the legal minimum. It does so at the expense of the 10-day 10 10 day spring break, right? which will be reduced to six days under the superintendent's proposal. Every time I say superintendent, I think of uh, Ralph and say, Super Nintendo Chalmers. Um, Skinner! <laughs> um, the calendar proposal follows weeks of outreach to parents, students, and teachers about how to plan around Governor Hogan's mandate to start classes after Labor Day and end them by June 15th. Officials said the requirement forces them to choose between unattractive options and eliminating closures on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Reducing spring break and cutting into teaching time have all been on the table. Board members have implored Hogan to relax his mandate and give them more flexibility, but to no avail. It's just a sad circumstance we're in, school board member Pat O'Neill said during a committee meeting Tuesday. Hogan has responded with sharp opposition to the board's request, white writing in an April letter that an unreasonable number of teacher planning and grading days are to blame for the schedule changes. He's exactly right. In the same letter, he called it unacceptable for students to miss this much classroom time. His frustration with the school board's position boiled over earlier this month at a Jewish community event in Potomac where he said none of the board members should be reelected. Probably accurate, by the way. By the way, I love I loved when the governor hawks out. I really do. <laughs> I love that Governor Hogan, I'll be honest with you. An MCPCS staff report noted that Montgomery County is one of only five Maryland jurisdictions that maintained a 10-day spring break in the 2017-18 school year. And like Montgomery County this year, had Baltimore County had considered keeping schools open on Jewish holidays, according to the Baltimore Sun. School board members have also pointed out this year's calendar only gives teachers one full professional day within the year now greg we had so they have two next year so all they're complaining all these choices on the table guess who they didn't make the tough choice against 
the teachers' unions. The one thing I did notice is the fact that the schedule, I did see a copy of the schedule, and the third Friday in October next year is an instructional day. Okay, I can't imagine what they'll be doing then. Well, the third Friday in October is supposed to is the teacher is the union convention. Yes. So yes, interesting to which see. Which they just had one, which they closed school so teachers can go to the uh, union convention right. in Ocean City because or because hear speeches from Democratic gubernatorial candidates who want to defeat Governor Hogan. Which again, if you read RedMaryland.com last week, it was helpful that the uh, that the union just acknowledged that they're bigots and and moved on from that. Um, you know, basically saying that the teachers union wants to be the leading progressive organization in Maryland and not actually a, you know, a union representing teachers, which to me seems like it will be a great potential class action case, for, you know, against the fair share fee. But I'm not a lawyer and um, nor am I a member. Well, of I can tell union. you I can tell you with and I can't go into a lot of detail, but, you know, if you're a rank and file teacher in the union who dares to not toe the party line politically. Um, they, they've shown, uh, that they're, you know, they'll cut you, they'll go after you. And, um, this is, this is something that, uh, you know, stay tuned for that because, uh, they are, they're worried about politics more than they are about just simply representing, you know, getting teachers. What, what unions are supposed to do is collectively bargain on behalf of their employees. So they get better, uh, pay and benefits, but this is so much more politically than that. And of course, you're t- this is the problem with having government unions is that government unions inevitably invariably become a force for bigger government Shocking. because it's in the interest of their constituents of their members that governments spend more money and grow larger and hire more people uh which which will you know when we get to the Kerwin commission discussion is exactly what that is all about um look th- they've the governor governor hogan has been very clear, we're going to start after Labor Day, we're going to end on a certain date. Um, all of these boards of education have whined and hemmed and hauled and cue and cry, and every single one of them has managed to make, however tough the choices they think are, make them work. Okay, It's something that school boards have done for many, many years. They've threatened, they've tried to, you know, especially the ones in very democratic areas, like Baltimore County, like Montgomery County, ones with very Democratic school board members, like even here in Anne Arundel County. They've tried to make some political hay by making the governor out to be the bad guy, by scaring Jewish families, Jewish parents, Jewish students, by saying we're not going to take off on those days as we have in the past. Scare parents by saying we're going to reduce... We're going to re- and, and by the way, Montgomery County and Baltimore County each have significant Jewish populations. Right. And, and that's what they're going after. It's and a political move. And let's make clear here, too. The, this this is the thing that pisses me off about this the most, quite frankly, is the fact that, yeah. as you point out, they turn this into an attempt to, to smear the governor as an anti-Semite. Yeah, that's it's, it's a not while, very subtle implication. Yes. While, you know, while sitting here looking and they knew the entire time that spring break was 10 Days, okay, six days of instructional time missed because you know it it was the whole week before Easter and Easter Monday, so you had both both weekends in there. Right. There was, I mean, there. And and, and by the way, and by the way, and I'm interrupting you again, and I apologize. They put the interests of the teachers and their days off equal to all of those things. Right. 
rather than sublimating them as they always should have been. Right. I mean, so so the issue is the the only requirements uh, for days off in that spring break period. Right. Okay. Is that schools are to be closed on Good Friday, and schools are to be closed Easter Monday, which when I was a kid, Greg, those are the only days we got off. Those were the only days schools were closed, was Good Friday and Easter Monday. We didn't have this whole spring break thing that's blossomed over the last oh, you t- in that time 20 of year, years. Yeah. You no, know? I agree. I mean, it was, you know, it's that's it. Yeah. So the first four days on the board here should have always been, if, if you're not going to take away the teacher's days off, then the first four days on the board should have been come off of spring break. And the Jewish holidays, if, if, if you know, and, and look, I know we don't have those days off, I think, in Anne Arundel County. I, don't, I can't be certain of that. I think that's right. But not every school district has them because you don't, you know, I mean, and, and look, there are certain counties, as you point out, Baltimore County, Montgomery County, right. where you have a critical mass of folks who are Jewish who are not going to come to school today. And I don't is, know if that's the way I would phrase and it's, it. But well, yeah. You know what I, I mean. significant Jewish population. You know what I mean. Critical mass of Jewish population. That makes it, that's, okay, that's something you, you might have heard what, at a different time. You understand what I mean. I, I do, which is why I'm quick to clarify <laughs> okay. what you actually said. Um, yes, and, they have significant Jewish populations. Right. right. So... The fact that Montgomery County even considered this is just boneheaded and political. In it, it, it's absolutely political because they were never going to. They were just, and again, they were just, they were just threatening this and and getting people worked up, which is why I think the governor got so angry because he knew none of this was necessary. That this was just trying to make him look bad politically. Um, so Speak- I mean, that, that, that's exactly the point. And 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 guess what? Just like when they complained when he put the mandate after. Labor Day, they all came in the line. They're all coming up with calendars that fit within that structure. If we get to have a bad year with snow days, the state board, I'm sure, will be liberal with waivers, and they'll work all that out. And it's all going to work. The, the 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 hue and cry is purely political. Is purely political. There's no practical reason why any of these school boards anywhere in the state can't make calendars that fit within these um, guidelines, and they all have ultimately. Hey, speaking of things that are overtly political, so the Kerwin yes. Commission decided that uh, they're yeah. gonna they're gonna they're gonna take a they're gonna take a powder on actually fulfilling their mandate. The um, well, don't say it like that because this is good news. Well, this is this is good news. Let's let's they can just you know they can take another twenty years as far as I'm concerned. I, I agree, but I'll I'll kind of tease the premise of my piece here in a second. So. Landmark Kerwin Commission delays plan on school funding. This is another story in the sun. A plan to revamp and increase spending on Maryland public schools will be delayed beyond next year's General Assembly session. Can you, because I think that opening, sentence, that opening sentence is actually fairly candid by the Baltimore Sun. Can you just read that one more time? A plan to revamp and increase spending. And increase. Yeah. The purpose of it is to increase spending. Correct. Um, will be delayed beyond next year's General Assembly. Lawmakers were set to spend the first few months of 2018 debating the first major overhaul of education policy in more than 15 years. Instead, that discussion will be pushed back until after the 2018 state elections. Now, Greg, scroll down a little bit okay. because I want I want to um, I I want to to um, where's the damn line? I don't know. There's a line in there basically which talks about. Um, the whole and, and you know basically the, the the excuse is is that the current commission want, doesn't know how much all of this is going to cost. Okay, 
the real reason? They haven't set a number on it, though they've already had recommendations that add another $3 billion to the budget, about a 30% increase in what the state's spending on K-12 education right now. Right. Um, here's, here's the key sentence, okay? Increasing education funding by hundreds of millions or billions would likely require a funding stream to pay for it, according to budget analysts. Now, <laughs> now, hold on, hold go on. Ahead, go ahead, go ahead. That, because look, this commission, okay, this kangaroo commission was created by the de- by the Democrats in the General Assembly. Right. For the Democrats in the General Assembly. Yes. For a political purpose. Yes. Okay, which yes. is to say, this is how much money we need to spend on, you know, spend on schools. Because look, the, o- the only member of we this... We did this before. The only member of this commission that the governor even had input on was the chairman, Britt Kerwin, right. who was still subject to the appointment of the speaker, the governor, and the Senate president. Right. There were five members appointed by the Senate president, only one of which is a Republican. There were five members appointed by the House speaker, none of whom were Republicans. Right. You had one member appointed by the school superintendent, and then you had one member from the PTA, the statewide PTA, and then one member from six unions. Okay? So, yeah. look, this result, the results of this commission were baked into the creation of this commission. Yes. This yes. commission was created to do a couple of things. One, to recommend taxes, to tax increases, okay, and higher spending, and making sure the unions get theirs. But, look, the reason that this commission was delayed was political, strictly political, okay, for two reasons. Right. One, the, you know, the Democrats would be forced, if the commission had made its recommendations in December of 2017, as they suggested they would, right. they would be forced into a situation where they would either have to ignore the commission findings or vote for a tax increase. The likelihood of the Democrats deciding to vote for a tax increase, a major tax increase, right before the election is slim and none. Which is why the commission ultimately wound up pushing back, uh, pushing its findings back beyond the 2018 election. Secondarily, the talking point for the Democrats right. has been and will remain. Right. Governor Hogan hasn't done enough to spend, spend enough money on schools. Right. Never mind the fact that it's a bald faced lie. Never mind the fact that Governor Hogan has spent more money. Right. On K through 12 education than any governor in the history of the state. Right. This commission and the lack of having findings on this commission will be used as a cudgel against the governor. Let me rephrase that. Will be a, they'll attempt to use it as a cudgel against the governor throughout the election because they're going to keep saying the commission's going to tell us that this and the commission's going to tell us this and they're going to be able to do it pretty scot-free because the commission won't put a price tag on it and will not have suggested tax hikes. Okay. I, I, I think you're, you're – I have a slightly different take on it than you do. Okay. There is no question the purpose of this commission, just like the one they had before, whose name I'm blanking on. The Thornton Commission? The Thornton Commission. The purpose of this commission is to set the groundwork and to give political cover to the Democrats to justify enormous increases in state spending on education. Okay? That's the purpose of it. And the argument is going to be, well, this is what our blue ribbon panel commission said. This is what we have. If we want top flight schools, this is what we have to spend. If we spend one penny less than this, then we're underfunding our school system. Okay, that's what the Democrats want to have. That's what they want to say. That's what they're saying already. 
about this. This is the purpose of this is to give political cover to these Democrats to say, well, you know what? We got to spend the money to get the good education. This is what the experts are telling us. This is what they did with Thornton so brilliantly. And then they pass a law adopting it. And then that money has to be spent. That's where the that's where the the um, the the deficit monster and the 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 unfunded mandated spending and all this kind of stuff gets baked in. That's the purpose of this commission to give them political cover. Okay, you're right that if they tried to pass whatever the numbers end up being, it's not they may need a source of income to pay for it. They absolutely need a source of income. If we're going to balance a budget and you want to increase state spending by three billion dollars in a forty billion dollar budget, yeah, that's not you're going to have to find a way to pay for it. Here's here's where I disagree with you a little bit. Okay, the governor's going to introduce a budget in next year. Nothing that the Kerwin Commission recommends is going to, if they're going to mandate that spending, it's not going to affect next year's budget. Well, they're not. They're not doing anything next year. I mean, that's very clear. No, at this point. but even if the no, even I agree if, with even you. If Kerwin came but, out with recommendations no, only, tomorrow, my point, it's not going to affect the governor's budget. I agree, except unless the Democrats pass mandates that would increase the spending. But for would, that and future budgets. But it would be future budgets. Still, they can't retroactively to this. The Democrat. Budget. Well, no, it would still. They could still do it as far as. as as far as I'm aware, they could still pass a law during the 2018 General Assembly session mandating spending in the fiscal 19 budget. No, I, and, I, and I agree with you. But my point is some of them would want to have that commission saying if we reelect. Look, I think, the, I think the Democrats in the clown car running for governor are going to say and are saying the Kerwin Commission report says is going to say is already saying that we're underfunding our school system. That's already baked in. So they're going to run on that against the governor, whether they actually pass something or not. They don't. They could adopt it without passing a tax increase right away. That's where I disagree with you. They ultimately would need funding to actually do this, which is why we saw legalized gambling and all these tax increases to fund the Thornton spending and why we still had these you know, this, this deficit monster going for this, this built it. What's the term? I'm looking the structural deficit. Okay, these guys are just going to blow up a new structural deficit with this Kerwin commission. I, I think it so I don't know that it getting put off saves the Democrats anything because, number one, they're still going to be making the argument. And number two, this still becomes the standard um, after the 2018 election. The reality is this is this is looming out there. The Democrats are setting it up Thornton two, to blow up state spending on education yeah. by 30 percent. They don't have the money to pay for it. The, the Governor Hogan has managed to slay the, the structural deficit. They're ready to blow it back up. The governor's going to be able to use this just as well as a cudgel, point out we've spent more on K-12 education than ever before. What you're proposing, what the Kerwin folks are talking about is unsustainable. Okay. Um, and even when it comes out in a second term, they're going to use it against the governor. And if... And if the Democrats win, then it becomes the baseline spending. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the purpose of this. That's why it's so insidious what the Kerwin Commission is about. And as you point out, it's a setup job by the Democrats because this isn't an objective group of experts. This is this is a setup job by the teachers unions and left wing Democrats who want to massively increase spending on state education. 
Yeah. No, we, I, I absolutely agree with you on that on that point. And by the way, there's they would have to raise taxes. They know they would have to raise taxes. The governor's got them on the tax issue and the guys running as hard as they can to the left for governor are going to be stuck on the tax issue as it is. So, uh, you know, I, I don't I, so I, I, I don't necessarily think the Kerwin Commission putting it off. What's what's interesting to me in the article is they're kind of downplaying some of the cost factor. They're trying to they're trying to say, well, it might might not be billions, it might be hundreds of millions. Yeah, okay. That to me says that, you know, they're <laughs> they realize that the governor's in a strong position. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Why don't we take a break? We come back, we'll uh we'll deal with we'll deal with a Jamoke from Pennsylvania. And we'll deal with Ami Hober's campaign announcement. Folks, okay. you are not gonna want to miss this. Stick with us. You are listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. You can help Red Maryland grow our reach when you visit redmaryland.com and click on the Amazon link and shop as normal. A portion of your purchase will come back to Red Maryland to help us grow. Additionally, you can buy Red Maryland t-shirts, drinkware, and other gear from our Zazzle store at zazzle.com slash redmaryland. We want to hear from you. Email us at any time at redmaryland at gmail.com. You can also leave audio feedback on our Red Maryland talkback line at 410-205-4875. We might use your feedback on our programming. You are listening to Maryland's most trusted conservative voice, the Red Maryland Network. Be sure to follow Red Maryland on all of the major social networking sites. You can follow us at Red Maryland on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Snapchat, and Tumblr to get the latest from Red Maryland. And be sure to follow the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com. Celebrating five years as Maryland's only network that matters. You're listening to the Red Maryland Network. I said, Brian and Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Good night. Yeah. Okay. Let's. We're back. Um, <laughs> you were really pushing the limits of my German. Uh, yeah. Most well, of which I learned from Hogan Zero. So <laughs> I at least you know I, I I knew German a lot better when I spoke German regularly. Obviously, I imagine that, that was that's tw- you know what I believe that that was twenty years ago. So it's been a while. It's you lived in in uh, I, Deutschland. I, I I did go. Uh, was over there for a month. Uh, we did exchange program in uh, in high school between the junior my, between my sophomore and junior years of high school. There you go. Um, you'll be you you won't be surprised to learn that one of the highlights of that trip, um, 
not one of the highlights of the trip, but one of the most interesting things of that trip was my the host family that I lived at. They owned a tobacco shop in Freiburg, and they actually had a they were the like one of the only families who were associated with this exchange program who had right. a a weekend house in the in the black the black forest. Ah, and on the black in the, you know at their house they had a satellite dish, and okay. I was able to find an Orioles game while I was over in Germany. Wow. We went all the way for that. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know where that story was going. I thought you were going to be near Berchtesgaden or something, but no, you've watched an Orioles game in Germany. <laughs> Got it. Awesome. Uh, hey, you know what's not awesome is when is when people who want to help don't help. Uh, Greg, we have a, a history of, um, you know, look, Greg and I are. <laughs> I'm always uncomfortable. Do you loop me in? Because I don't know if I should be or not. Greg and I are, are, are huge Second Amendment supporters. Yes, I believe in the individual right to keep and bear arms. As do I. And um, that you would think that we would be on the same page with all of these folks. If you remember back to last year yes. and uh, our run-in with Mr. Boomstick, yes. then uh, you will know that sometimes these folks are self-defeating. And we got another guy who's self-defeating. Our, our, the, the, and, and for those who don't remember... The, the genesis of our dispute with these gentlemen was that we we uh, I put something on on the blog quoting a newspaper article saying that there was good news for gun owners. Yes, that was a crime that I committed. Right. Because we and they saying, came down on us harshly and attacked us vigorously and said that we should basically like consult with them before ever writing about guns. Yes. Yeah. The only time anyone has ever asked us to take down a post was where was because we liberally quoted from a local newspaper who had not retracted their story that, saying that there was good news for Maryland gun owners. Yeah. So here on this this is, uh, this is what we're dealing with. <laughs> so here on the other side of the spectrum, let's let's set this up. So, um on Twitter the other day, yeah. Yeah, look, I I keep tabs on the hashtag #MDPolitics tab. I'm sure you do as well, Greg. Not as much. And there was a tweet about a rally, okay? Next Sunday, there's yes. going to be a rally in Annapolis, okay? Now, you're thinking to yourself, hey, it's the Sunday before the election. Yeah, we're going to go. We're going to get Mike Panellini's elected. We're gonna... No, no, it's none of that. Right. It's a, a Second Amendment supporter who's not from Maryland. Not from Maryland. By the way. Yeah. Um, Which who... was pretty obvious in our exchange. Right. Um. Who wanted to have this rally at Lawyers Mall at right. ten o'clock on a Sunday morning in October, in November, in November, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, so first off, first off, by I, the there's way, there's so much we'll, wrong with this. We'll let's play, just, we'll let's play, unpack it. We'll play the video in a second. That, by the way, is in your email. I did, did not add that to the to the post. Um, what are you talking about? I sent you a tweet that linked to a video to this to this Jamoke. It's in oh, your, did it's you? in your email? Yes. Um, well, you probably should have told me that. I should have told you that, yes. Well, why don't you start explain, giving the context so, of how stupid this is to begin with? So I, I didn't know there was going to be I, a video. I Shoot. replied to the tweet and said, no, go knock doors for, uh, you know, go knock doors for Mike Panellides and um, Randy McClement instead because there's an election in two days. Yeah, this is two days before an election. This isn't like... You know, in the middle, there's an election a month off. This is literally two days. They're coming to the city of Annapolis two days before an election, 
And by the way, let me promote this week's Red Maryland election focus because we've got can a candidate, James Appel, who's running in the city of Annapolis. We reprise our interview uh, with this state party uh, whose name I'm blanking on. Jerry. Jerry. Jerry um, Woswick. Yes. Thank you. Sorry, Jerry. Um, just, I'm getting old. Um, talking about how important these elections are. They're going to they're all going to be decided. We have great candidates in both places. They're going to be these races are going to be decided by less than 100 votes. Some of these some of these alderman races, there may only be a thousand votes cast. You're literally coming to the city while you're having this Vacocta rally in Lawyers Mall when the legislature is not in session. At 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. At 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. people are in church. There will literally be people preparing, if not going out already, door to door trying to have an impact on these elections. So you're coming all the way from Pennsylvania to stand around in an empty lawyer's mall with people who already agree with you, while literally surrounding you is a city on the eve of a very, very close election where Republicans have traditionally outperformed um, their numbers. And, and where the incumbent mayor won with 52 votes last time or whatever yeah. it was. So I point, we pointed out on Twitter. Is this, is this, is this now, the it's, video? Yeah, it is. Just okay. stand by. All right, I'm standing I'll by. I'll set it up. Um, so this, this jabroni... Captain Burrs, because these people never use their real name. Yeah, well, they're afraid they'll be. I mean, he's got a he's got his photograph all over the place. He's got his website where he's got some yeah. the ridiculous number of, tw- of YouTube followers. But Captain Burrs right. was then all mad because he said, "For some con- for a conservative outlet, you're a joke." Uh, yeah, be- we should be cheerleading this nonsense rather than rather than giving them a hard time for not actually then, helping Republicans and get then, elected. And then had the audacity to say, oh, well, Mayor McClement and Mayor Panlides will be welcome to speak at the rally. Which would be stupid because they're trying to win a Fakakta election in two yeah, days. You're, which you're, you don't know because you're not from here and didn't bother to do any damn research first. You're a rally full of people who don't live in the city or don't maybe don't even live in the state. Why would Mayor Panlides, who's, who's in a tight race to stay mayor of Annapolis going to come speak to your Fakakta rally. Why well, don't I mean the uh, most of the people listening to the show get why we're so angry about this. This guy is completely clueless because it's not about affecting electoral outcomes, which is the way you actually change policy. This is a guy who's got a blog. This is a guy who's got a YouTube channel. This is a guy who's trying to make an audience this is about by ego. promoting this, this issue. This is about ego masturbation. Right. So play the video. Let's let's just See what this thing's all about. What's going on, guys? This is Burrs. I'm here to talk to you today Wait a about. This is this guy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Why? This is Burrs. Yeah. At the Maryland 2A Rally 2017. Now there's a nationwide one going on. This is going to be the same day, the same time at every state capital in the United Wait, States pause of America. For a second. I'm. That's not going to be every capital in America at the same time because guess what? I'm willing to bet they're not going to be rallying in Honolulu at 5 a.m. Right, right, right. And if he's from Pennsylvania, why isn't he in Harrisburg? Where they also have local, state and local, have local elections next Tuesday. Okay. Coordinating for Maryland, and here's what we're going to do. So first off, everything is buttoned up. We have our approvals. We're good to go. November 5th at 10 a.m., we're going to meet at Lawyers Mall. Now, the state of Maryland, with me being a newer resident, I'm unaware, I was unaware, of not being able to do any demonstrations or rallies on the Capitol grounds. So, what we've had to do is move it to Lawyers Mall, which Stop is right next. Jesus Christ, you are so effing stupid. 
There is no such thing as the Capitol grounds. That's right. That's why you can't do it on the Capitol grounds, because number one, it'd be the, oh, God, you're so stupid. As a newer resident, I didn't know this. You also didn't know there's a goddamn election in the city two days after this Fakakta rally. And I'm I thought, and up. I thought I was going to be the worked up one about. You know this. what? I'm getting really angry. I was, I, I wanted to reach out to these people who are coming and say, look, do you understand why this doesn't make any sense? But this guy's so clueless, and I don't, and I have no idea how many people are going to come out to this rally. I don't know if it's going to be five people, ten people, fifty people. No way to know from a YouTube video, and I guess it probably doesn't matter. But it is such an enormous waste. Of time. Not, look, we favor the Second Amendment. We're all in favor of people supporting their Second Amendment rights. If you're in Maryland and you want to affect changes in in Second Amendment rights, you gotta get people elected who support the Second Amendment. Okay, I'm not a big fan even of having the rallies during session because I don't think they have much of an impact. But at least the legislators are there and can see you. There's literally nobody in the legislature that's going to be anywhere near Lawyers Mall on this day. So who is it they're trying to persuade? Nobody. There's nobody to persuade. To the Capitol ground. So if you go to the Capitol, you'll see us there. It's really no difference whatsoever. You just walk over to Lawyers Mall. Now, in case no one has seen anything in relation to the uh, 2A Rally 2017, let's talk about the three things that we're going to talk about. We're first three things are going to talk about. Yeah. We're going to talk about gun violence and how, as gun owners, we are uh, condemning and against uh, people using their guns to kill, to injure, and negligently using them uh, to harm other people. You know what one of the major issues in the Annapolis City's elections is? Gun violence and crime. Yeah. If and only there, there Republic- was a, yeah, if only there Republican- was a way to influence that and help. And there are Republicans help. running to have rational approaches to it that condemn it like you are going to. Okay. All right. All right. We're going to talk about how as gun owners we're against any new gun laws that decrease or that minimize our gun rights. Okay. Do you know how you stop bad gun laws from getting affected? You, you elect, elect lawmakers who won't pass them, idiot. Sorry. Sorry. No, you're not. I, 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 We're not even halfway through this video yet. Li- listen, listen. If, if you're listening to this and you're going to this rally, understand that you guys sitting around saying this stuff is fine, but you could actually spend the time and effort that you're standing around Lawyer's Mall to go half a mile in any direction, knock on doors, and actually help people get elected who agree with you on the Second Amendment. Mike Panalides supports the Second Amendment. James Appel supports the Second Amendment. Fred Payone supports the Second Amendment. Julie Mussock supports the Second Amendment. Help them get elected, and you will do more than you could ever hope to do standing around Lawyers Mall in November. Or, if you are anywhere near Frederick, go to Frederick. Yeah, Frederick's closer. Do that. And not gone doors for Randy McClement and the five Alderman candidates up there, where also, by the way... There's, you know, Frederick's a little bit safer than Annapolis, but there are still issues with gun violence. There's still issues with crime and where you can elect people who support you instead of listening to some jabroni with a YouTube channel. Get off on talking to you on them through a microphone. Yeah. And then finally, we're going to talk about some bills and some legislation that increases our gun rights that we support. Now, what you- bills okay. or legislation? Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't know what level it is. 
I'm but, guessing it's going to be talking about national stuff because probably. he doesn't. Because I'm, I'm guessing he probably doesn't know anything about the General Assembly. Yeah. So. Well, if he knew anything about the General Assembly, he wouldn't be having a rally in November. Also, he wouldn't be talking, calling the State House the Capitol. But hey, what do I know? I've just lived here for 37 years. He's, he's 30, a new yeah. resident. Oh. oh, God, I hate people like this. If you want to be a speaker at the rally, go ahead and contact me. Down below is the event page. Go down. So it's just an open mic. It's just a it's just a Second Amendment open mic at Lawyers Mall. Yes. What a waste of friggin' time. On there, and uh, make sure you click going or interested. And if you have a question, post it on the page there. Um, I'm on the page, and I can go ahead and answer your question. I, I have a que question, Captain Burrs, and I hope you're listening to this. What exactly do you expect to accomplish that couldn't be accomplished a hundred times over by by putting the time and energy into actually affecting electoral outcomes. Uh, right there. The biggest thing is to share this out. So go to the event and share the event out and let's get as many people to, their, uh, to the event as possible. This is gonna be nationwide and we wanna represent Maryland. Too, by the way. He couldn't like do a do-over maybe? Not stutter through his words. Yeah. You know. Uh, he's got a nice picture with a bunch of people. I guarantee you there won't be anywhere near this many people. No. With a lot of people. Now, if you remember back in 2013 with these rallies, there was tons and tons of people that came to him. 2013. So we don't... There was never By the way, a rally I, don't, in I don't know where he's shooting this, where these pictures in his video are from. They're clearly not from Maryland. No. And there's, there's these large crowd scenes. I have no idea where they are. There's plenty of Confederate flags in the group, though. If that's helpful to indicate, maybe not. Um, but it's clearly not Maryland. He couldn't even get a crowd scene from Maryland for his stock footage. I don't want to be any less than what that was. We want to be larger. We're going to have tens of thousands of people at these uh, these rallies. You are not going to have tens of thousands think, of people. I think if I, you hold, had... on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think what he is saying very poorly is that... Overall, at all of these 50 rallies, they want to have tens of thousands of people. Right. So in the hierarchy, yeah, he's he's so low in the pecking order that he got Maryland. <laughs> he's trying to play his part. <laughs> and he's trying to play it up. And the most important thing is that you share his video and his social media post. I mean, that's what he's saying. So go ahead and share these out. Tell your friends and neighbors. And let's have a good turnout. Finally, let's talk about a few things that are very important to every single rally in this country and the Maryland one that uh, we're talking about here. When you go to the rally, this is a peaceful rally. We're gonna talk about some issues. You know, if you disagree with someone, let's be respectful of one another's opinion. <laughs> On top of that, let's make sure that when you leave the rally, that you leave it cleaner and in better shape than what we came here as. So let's have a good rally, a good healthy rally, healthy. a peaceful rally. Peaceful. I look forward to meeting all you Take only pictures, leave only footprints. There, and uh, get to know you a little bit better. And until next time, later. That's because I'm guessing it's going to be a very intimate gathering. So we'll get to know everybody better. And then we'll go get tacos. I, it's And look, I really, I really, really hope Captain Burrs listens to this segment. And I, and I want to say this. I, I don't want to attack this. Or anybody who's going to this. Because we're okay? on your side, man. We, we absolutely support you. We understand you're, I guess you're trying to do this part of a national movement, but it kills us as people who've been active in Maryland politics, who've been fighting to improve gun rights in the state for years, who've helped elect 
who have helped elect, despite some of your earlier tweets, some really good conservative elected officials at every level of government in the state who are very much pro-Second Amendment, okay? We really have been fighting and had, had and have successes on this front. And we've learned through hard experience, Captain Burrs, that the way you affect actual change in legislation is to win elections, which means you have to go out and do the electoral work. And what's so frustrating is you're 90% of the way there. You've got people organized. You've got them off their butts, out of their houses, coming to go do something political to make a change. They're in the city. Okay? They're 90% of the way there. Just put some palm cards in their hands and give them a walking list. And however many people come out, you could turn around. You could make the difference in some of these elections. Yes. Thank you. Preach. Um, but what's going to happen, Captain Burrs, is whether you have 10 people or 100 people or 1,000. Imagine if you had 1,000 people standing around. You could knock Lawyers every... mall, and they did nothing to impact the election. Yeah. When... What an enormous wasted opportunity that would be. Yeah. And I, and I hope you get what our frustration is coming from. It's because your tactics are so wrong-headed. You're so myopic in your little two-way social media verse that you're trying to grow an audience rather than actually channeling that energy and organization into actual political action that can result in the very kinds of policy changes that you want to see. It's it's it just it just kills us because we've seen these rallies, particularly with our friends in the Second Amendment. We see these rallies. We see these get togethers. But when time comes to get people who support the Second Amendment elected, you guys are often missing an action and then complaining after the fact that guys who guys and gals who support the Second Amendment didn't get elected. When yeah. you took no positive action to do anything about it. You're already- you then just complain about yeah. the people who did get elected and usually complaining about the allies who got elected who couldn't get as much done as they wanted because there's not enough of them. And you're already doing the work. This is what's so this is what drives us nuts, Captain Burrs. You're already doing the work. Everything you're doing could result in getting people elected if you simply diverted it from standing around in lawyers' mall with an open mic with people each talking about why they love the Second Amendment to knocking on doors to get people to vote for people who agree with you on the Second Amendment. Just that little diversion would have an enormous impact, would make all of this time that everyone's spending so much more worthwhile and would advance the very cause that you and I and Brian and everybody who's going to be at this rally completely agree with. And I would hope that when you listen to this, Captain Burrs, that you understand that. And I and I would hope that people going to this stand around for a little while, get to know each other a little bit, and then somebody at that rally say, you know what, let's stop being here. Let's take the rest of the afternoon, because we're meeting at 10. Let's take the afternoon, and let's go knock on doors and help guys like Mayor Panelides get reelected. Let's help guys like James Appel. Let's help people like Julie Musog and Fred Payone. Let's let's flex our real political muscle to actually accomplish something. And guess what? If a, if a group of Second Amendment supporters came out and helped those guys two days, you think they're going to be? You think they're going to 
be supportive of your cause? You think you're going to have some input with those guys? That's how it actually works. Okay, Captain Burrs, I- I'm I'm pleading with you to to get out of just the social media bubble and building your little network and actually use all of this great stuff you're doing, channeling it into some positive, real political outcome. Unless it's all about you and that's what you want. That's what it sounds like. This is all this is all an ego strike. If you if you just ignore it and blow it off, then it's hard for us to come to any other conclusion. Right. Greg, why don't we take a uh, why don't, why don't put a, put a, let's let's run a palate cleanser. Cleanse the cleanse so the palate. You want to run a palate cleanser? Yes. Okay. Yeah, run right. a palate. I guess cleanser. we should. I guess we should. All right. All right. That's that's our transition music. All right. Uh, we also have another video now that we're going to talk about, and this. Oh, video, I'm ready to this, go now. Let's just go. Yeah. Um, Why'd you want me to cool down just to get hot again? <laughs> so now we're going to talk about Ami Hober. Yeah. President of my fan club. Yeah. Was running for Congress again, and she made an announcement this week, and I love this. She made an announcement in Potomac on a Tuesday afternoon at right. one o'clock in the afternoon because yeah. so many people are able to come to her her announcement. You know, well, you know, we've done a lot of these announcement videos, and we love doing them. It's fun. People, we get a good feedback from them. And um, obviously, Brian has been critical of Ms. Hober for various reasons. I'm, I've been, you know, I have my own skepticism as well. But um, now, I haven't watched this video. And Greg, we, we have a link at redmaryland.com. I, I understand. Do we it, have a link at redmaryland.com? We Red do have Maryland. a link at redmaryland.com. I, I, I link to Number this. one, view it for yourself. Right. But it's an opening shot. The shot opens with Delegate David Vote, who, you know, glad to see you dressed for the occasion, um, to what looks like a completely empty room. By, also, by the way, this was filmed. Nobody filmed this in landscape. So, you know, nobody turned the camera. Yeah. It's just, it looks like. Come on, you're it, running for Congress. It looks like crap shot on an iPhone. Now, again, we're just going to run this all the way through, okay? Um it is interesting, by the way, that minutes. delegate vote who ran against Ami Hober 2016 is now endorsing her. I have some theories on that. Um, okay. He's an interesting choice for a lot of reasons. But um, I understand this takes a turn at the end, a very surprising turn oh. at the end. So, oh, surprise. Um, <laughs> it was like a Shyamalan twist at the end. Well, let's get going here. So, yeah. Direct your attention this way, please. Look at me. Look at me. How are we all doing today? And it's Mike. And the Rose crowd there. goes mild. Well, and and by the way, the, you can't see anyone in the crowd. I mean, the, the, at least if you're going to film it like this. Pro po- tip, pro tip, if you're going to have a crowd, you know, all the Democrats have figured this out. You get people behind the person and, you know. Or at, least, draw- or at least you have a tight shot on the candidate. So it's very obvious this is the right. candidate and the podium. Right. Here it sounds like, you know, it's an echo chamber of like seven of her closest supporters. Right. I mean, you're not running for county council or some local office. You're running for the United States Congress. And not your first time. Right. That was not very motivating. Mr. Marine, I got to ask you, how are we all doing today? Yeah, that's better. Good job. This beautiful fall day here in Montgomery County, here to celebrate a momentous occasion for the state of Maryland. I think- a momentous, a momentous occasion, occasion for the not state to, of Maryland. Not to oversell it, it's bigger than 10 Super Bowls. You all know that already, but just in case you don't, 
I'm going to tell you why. I'm David Vogt. I'm a state delegate. I represent just north of you, Frederick, and part of Carroll County in the General Assembly of the House of Delegates. And I had the wonderful pleasure of joining several of the great Republicans we have in here in the primary election last year for the 6th Congressional District and have developed such a now we get close friendship with AMI in that time period. A close friendship with AMI. Two years now. Women's rights and advocate. I gotta tell you. AMI Hover. Just gonna What we saw last... That seemed like an edit. It did. So we know it's... So we know we have a chance. Okay. All right. <sighs> this was more edited than Captain Burr's video, which, take that for what it's worth. <sighs> okay. All right. Last year, around the country, turned a lot of heads. And we made some people really shocked at the results of that election. Wait, what? You know what? That election's over. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. What? We Hold on. Yeah. It was shocking that Ami Hober lost by, what, 17 points? I, I that's a very rosy yeah I, I don't wow, know that people were really shocked Kool-Aid, man. I know you're I know he's trying to say how momentous this is but come on so I want to make that point we know that we won but for everybody else out there that's going to read any newspaper covering this race from here forward that election's over that ele- oh good to know good to know thanks we won what did okay. election does not matter for what we're standing in this room for what matters most in the coming year that we're about to start in 2018 in this election cycle are two races. And these two races are going to make a drastic impact on the state of Maryland. One is the re-election of Governor Larry Hogan. And the other one is taking back a district for Republicans in the federal delegation here in the 6th Congressional District and putting Ami Hover as our congresswoman on the Hill. Did you want me to pause? Okay. She's proven that she can withstand the time, the effort, the energy, the battle, and put what we need most on the Hill through her investment in this district over what the last the two years. What does that mean? And she's committed today as your... What? I don't she know what any of she that. She didn't drop dead when she campaigned before. I, I, I don't know what any of that's okay. about. All right. You know what? Extemporaneous speaking isn't for everybody, delegate. Maybe jot down some thoughts. We're about to hear from her again to do this again because this the order, cycle nobody order. Take it back. And we do it by winning those two races together because with those, we allow the governor to redraw these lines. So once Ami takes it back this cycle, we never give it up again. Yeah. <laughs> and then we actually get what we don't have in our part of the state is actual representation on Capitol Hill from someone who cares about our state and the part of our state that we live in and represents us because they- Okay, the problem is he's speaking in Potomac. Yes. The part of the district that was added to take away from the part of the district I think he's talking about, which is Western Maryland. Correct. They gerrymandered to get seven of the eight Democrats in there who are all minority party members, therefore can do nothing for Maryland on the Hill. Ami is going to make that change. She's going to win this election, and we're all here to do that for her, and it's a pleasure and honor for me as a friend and as a colleague. Ami, this is your race. Let's do Colleague? Let's do this together. 
have no higher regard for any of the opponents that ran against me last cycle than I have for David. Ah, how about that? Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's on the internet forever. We have become good friends and I treasure it. Hmm. Huh. I also have some other people here I would like to thank. I would like to thank the Central Committee members who have lent their expertise to me over the last couple of years. Hmm. I'd like to thank my husband, Mark, who drove oh, you should thank 20,000 20, miles. Yeah, I know. He's, he's a real nice guy. And also, I would particularly like to thank the women of the Republican Women's Clubs who have been fabulous to me all along. And I appreciate their support. I appreciate their expertise. And I appreciate their laughter. <laughs> she appreciate my laughter? No, probably not. <laughs> thanks to all of you for being here. It's, it's a wonderful crowd. I feel the warmth. Can I, can I say this now, too? I mean, the shot's too far away. Yes, it's been too, too far away the entire time. The, I mean, there's a lot in the shot of empty walls and empty chairs and no human beings. One and could say that's a metaphor. Maybe. But I, I don't think that's what the people filming... I, I, I don't, I don't want to nitpick, but this is an announcement well, video. You're putting it on... You're putting it out there. This is there. a kickoff from a campaign. Again, you're running and, for Congress. And you're again, this is a campaign that was very well resourced in 2016. Yeah, it ain't like you don't have the money to afford a camera. Right. Or a tripod at the very least. You know, like I said, you can you can put an iPhone on a camera yeah. and broadcast it live yeah. and it looks pretty good. And all these experts that you're thanking for all their assistance and expertise, none of them thought of this. Right. And, and that makes me feel really good. I, it's been two and a half years since I started this journey, and I don't think I've stopped for a minute the whole time. Yes, and all that well, time. There's an all, all that time you were denying running and lying yeah, to people that I, you know, that that you hadn't considered it yet. Yeah, that's three hundred and eighty-seven days and you know we can do that. And if we all work together, we'll make it easy. I'm By the way, there's not three hundred and eighty-seven days. Runs from here in the don't, Washington don't suburbs. All the way out through the growing developments and farms of Frederick and Washington County, out to the beautiful mountains of Garrett. Many people think that Allegheny, you're on the your district own. is so yeah, diverse that it can't be brought together. Well, I have spent the last what? two and a half years working to learn the district and learning what does bring us together. We have our differences. Uh, but we have like more Why do I feel you're going children? to do a post about all the times that she denied she was running before this announcement over the last couple years, juxtaposed with this video? I just, I just feel that that's coming from you. I don't know. D -d Disturbance in the force, perhaps. Okay. And that we all depend on the importance Sometimes of the freedom sport. to make our own choices. To live our dreams. Unless you're an unborn child, and then which she just wants you to kill. Yeah, we right. all rely on that, and we have normally tended to rely on government as an ally and a partner. What? And that's no. She is so awkward in the way she speaks. This is one thing I have commented on before. She is. That is a tremendously awkward sentence. Yeah. It's just. It's just odd in the way that she speaks. No longer really tenable. Uh, Washington is pretty broken, I think, and Washington needs some help. 
and it's time for us to change that, and it's time for me to be an instrument of some of that change. An instrument of some of that change. Just an instrument of the change. What? Don't qualify it. Okay. Prepared uh, remarks. I'm not one of the experts she's consulting with, so that's You fine. deserve a government that reflects your values. Yeah, we've been involved in winning elections. You deserve elections. a member of Congress that will wake up every morning and say, what can I do for my district? The things that I'm going to focus on, jobs, uh, protecting existing jobs, developing new jobs. I'm a small business founder and owner. I know how to do that. Pause it for a second. Schools. Do you hear like arcade music in the background? Like there's I think a someone's phone. I think someone's phone's going off, and it's it's you know there's milling about in the background. So she doesn't even have the attention of whoever the audience is going to be. They don't have the sound directly tied into the video. I mean, this is amateur hour for a campaign that's supposed to be the professional campaign. I mean, come on. I and I, I know it sounds like we're just nitpicking, and I know people think we have an axe to grind, but. But look, come here's, on, here's, come on! You can't yeah, talk about all these experts who helped you, and you spent two and a half years leading up to this moment, and this is the best you can do for an announcement. And here's, video. And here's the thing, Greg. You talk, you call it nitpicking, um, and I don't think it's nitpicking because you know, look, this is there are forces that think that Ami Hober is the only candidate who is going to be competitive in the general election. I disagree. I think you do too. I'm not going to speak for you on that. I, time will but tell talking, whatever people think. But you're talking about a campaign that has hired staff. Okay, that spent millions in 2016, put together professionally produced, um, yeah, professionally produced commercials. They know people who how to operate cameras. They know people. They could have easily right. hired a production company to come and film this. It could have been slick video to use later. But sure, no, you got just some jamoke with an iPhone just holding it. 70 feet away from the, from the looks and, of it. And they've got people working on the campaign who we know. I mean, Paul Ellington's a smart guy. He's been around right. for a long time. I, I mean, this isn't an announcement video. It, it just isn't. This is, this, is, this is a candid, maybe a candid, you know, YouTube update video quality. This isn't, this isn't an announcement. We've, we've, and we've covered lots of announcement videos from, from candidates far and wide who have various, you know, levels of funding or whatever. I mean, Chris Vignaraja blows this out of the water. Okay? Yeah. I mean, it, it's such basic fundamental stuff that it, it, it does, it does, it does, it's a head scratcher. There are many people here from the Asian American community, and I understand how seriously you take our school problems. Both my parents were teachers and education is one of the incredibly important things. We need to fight crime and gangs. I spent some time last week with Sheriff Jenkins from Frederick County talking about the movement of the MS-13 gang uh, into Frederick County from Montgomery County. We need to tackle this problem. It is harmful to all of us. Uh, we also need to deal with the opioid addiction problem. I'll get a little bit more into that in a moment because I've had some plans over the years on that and I've had some experience to bring. Time out for a second. Uh, I As she pointed out, she'll get into that a little bit more later sure. on. And I want to say this now before we get to that point. Okay. The entire election, I wrote a piece about this at redmaryland.com, okay? Right. The entire 2016 election, she mentioned opioids publicly. She was, was on her website, briefly on her website, 
and she discussed it once that was picked up in a news story, okay? All of a sudden, she now has a focus on opioids. Now that Matt Mossberg is also running for Congress and has made his story of recovery right. a central point to his campaign. It, now, again, it, we'll, we'll, that, this issue will come back in a minute and in a okay. much, different, we'll in a much different light. By the way, the camera is... is, is <laughs> whoever's holding the camera is starting to list a little bit to the left. Um, so the angle is changing. Maybe they sit down as we go through. I don't know. But hang in there, camera person. ...solutions to transportation. Not only the I-270 and I-81 problems that are being addressed by Governor Hogan today, but there are roads in every part of the district that need to be tackled. Just about uh, dropped the camera there. These problems can only be solved by using common sense and by working together. And I am willing and able to work across all lines to get things done. I was known in the Pentagon in my Pentagon job as a decision maker and somebody who could make things hey, happen. I intend to maintain that. Rest. You know, it's kind of you know, be, saying yeah. I'm a decision maker. It's kind of like, you know, when you have to tell people that you're smart. If you have to tell people, you're not. Okay, I, th- that's probably a little nitpicky, but she's she's trying to say that she can get things done. That's the point. But the it. problem is this. A Congress, you know, a member of Congress is not a decision maker. If she was running for an executive position, no, that's the saying. kind of logic that you need. I Somebody who is a saying. member of Congress needs to have the power of persuasion to persuade members of their party, the opposition party as well sometimes, to get things done for the district. You can't just walk in there and say, I'm the decision maker when you're a backbencher on the you know, on the House dog shit committee. You know? No, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I, I'm less critical of that than a lot of other things in this video. Uh, and, and also, I, it's kind of hard to concentrate on that because the person holding the camera here looks like they're about to drop it any second. And also, it's not shot in landscape. I work to solve problems not by asking whether they were invented by Republicans or Democrats, but whether they're good for my district. And that's where I will what? focus. Okay. I've driven every road in the district. Hold on, time out for a second. Think- Did she say I don't look to problems if they're solved, but if they're created by? She's saying she's not going to approach it. As, 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 I understand that, but what blame. she actually, what she said was totally illogical. No, I don't think it was as bad as you think. She doesn't look to see where the whether the origin of the problem was Democrat or Republican. She's going to work to solve it. She's going to. But that's not what she actually said. Okay. Uh, okay. People I, can listen to the tape. Needs improvement. I've ridden along with the police departments on their tours to learn how the world looks from their point of view. I've walked the streets and talked to business owners and to the homeless, and I think I can bring something to this district that no one else can. I bring experience. I've solved a lot of problems in my own life. All of us have challenges, and we need to bring the experience of what it takes to overcome them uh, to help other people. I've been a single mom. I've known what it's like not to have enough money. I have a nephew who is not totally able to take care of himself, and I've helped develop plans on how to handle that in the future. I lost a son once. I understand that pain. And I had a family member who became addicted to drugs, and I helped get him into a rehab center and recovered. He's now a very productive member of society. But overall, I've been fortunate. My parents were both teachers. 
They helped ensure that I got a good education and built my life on that. And I want to ensure that everyone in this district and every one of their children has the same opportunity. And I pledge to focus on the issues that impact our lives, as I've mentioned before, the transportation problems. I will leverage the power of the federal government to work with Governor Hogan for the good of our state and the good of my district. Uh, let me talk for a moment about the opioid addiction problem, which I think is the most severe current crisis in District 6. Okay. Well, that's interesting that, she, again, this goes to your point that she's kind of come around on this issue. Right. Didn't and really it, talk about it two years ago, but now it's the most serious issue. Right. Which it was very serious two years ago as well. And, this is not this. And, and this as someone who's new. followed her campaign, I mean, she's she's being very genuine and sharing some very emotional stuff. Again, she's running against a, an opponent who has kind of made that kind of a center point of his campaign. It seems as though she wasn't necessarily as open and and what have you. Correct. Uh, when she ran before, so it it raises the the obvious question whether this is a tactical uh, change. Um, not only do we need better treatment options, and I am following very carefully the experimental program that's going on in Hagerstown today with the daycare center, but we also need to tackle it at the source. We need to tackle it with Big Pharma. We need to tackle it with the doctors that overprescribe because it's easy. Uh, we need to talk about the pill mills that are sometimes in the United States and sometimes overseas and the distribution patterns that they have. Um, I think altogether we need to tackle it from a number of angles, but I think we can make it better. And I commit myself to helping to make that better. Uh, Governor Hogan is addressing the problems here in Maryland, but he needs a federal partner to make sure that these solutions can work. And I pledge to be that partner. Another problem I know a little bit about, my husband's with a company called Qualcomm, is the provision of broadband services. Now the lights, now you, okay, they had the light too bright, so she's whited out. Okay. <laughs> and things like that out in the rural areas. There are laws and regulations that help push in that direction, but more needs to be done. We still have rural areas out in the western part of District 6 that need to have more broadband. And there have been some initial efforts made by Governor Hogan. Yeah, so she decides that broadband is going to be an issue right about the same time where Governor Hogan fixes the issue. Well, look, you can't blame her for wrapping herself in Governor Hogan as much as possible. And well, and, and as, as we pointed out at Red Maryland, she's already done that to the extent where she's already falsifying an endorsement for the primary. Uh, that doesn't exist and trying to continue to uh, cruise on her endorsement from Governor Hogan back during the 2016 general election cycle. Well, I think, I, you know, they use the old uh, we have over enthusiastic supporters line to defend that. But but yeah, this is this is you can see where the where she's been. Certainly her opponents have influenced her. You can tell in this speech. That's for sure. Hogan to get a program started in Frostburg. Uh, we need to have more of that sort of thing, and he needs to have the federal government behind what he's doing, and I will work with him to get that all successfully achieved. So ultimately what I'm saying today is that I pledge myself to help my district. 
and to work on behalf of all the citizens in Congressional District 6. So I am therefore announcing my candidacy here. And no shot of the actual crowd cheering her on ever in this. I mean, we're almost done. We'll give our wrap-up. That's a cue for a crowd shot. Yeah. That's that's video 101. Professional cue. standing there by herself that's when you have the husband be there and the family's yeah. right there and you do that I mean, campaign 101 people it, it's really not it's really not rocket brain surgery so, so, oh, go back to the podium. and as usual of course i am running for office and asking for contributions who the hell leaves that in at the end yeah, why didn't you edit that out at the end? We know she's asking for, for money. Uh, this is so Never informal. have your candidate try to raise money on camera. It's undignified. Well, look, I, look. I, there were elements here that were good. Some of what she was saying can work. She's, she's you know. And admittedly. This is not a, this is not a congressional kickoff video. It's not of that quality. It's not organized correctly to be that. It's 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 not you know because oh geez it's it it's so amateur hour for somebody who should know better and and you and we can say lots of things critical about Miss Hober, but she's not a neophyte running for office. Okay, she's not someone who doesn't have two nickels to rub together. Okay, she's not somebody who, as she even admits in this video, doesn't have anybody she can go to who has experience. Um, and have staff around her. This is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost thinking, you know, was it, this was this should have been the quality of somebody who just happened to be in the audience taking this who posted it, and and like where's the real campaign video? Like where's the official one the campaign did? This was just somebody in the audience taking this, you know, except that it's posted at her site. I. In this day and age, using social media, you take that video, and some of her opponents get this, quite frankly. Let's just let's just say it like I mean, let's just be honest. Some of her opponents get this. Yeah. This is a video that's produced. Use clips of it in the future and commercials and and whatever. Um, you know, you, you you keep circulating this stuff. You hit the high points that are the themes. You do you expand on. I mean, it's the the template. Even for how to do this at a very basic level of set, this is, this is disappointing. Frankly, this is disappointing to me, because she's a better candidate than this, in my opinion. Mm. What she's saying, I I know, I know, I know, I know. What she's saying in in there, there's 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 good things in there that she needs. There's some really odd things in there as well, but this is uh, wow, wow. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, again, again, this is a professional you can't see air quotes on the radio um 
campaign. She's not scaring and anybody off with this at, video. I can tell you that right if now. If you look at, you know, and I don't know what all the candidates the primary have done. I haven't seen anything that Brad Roars might have done, but I know Matt Mossberg put out a very slickly produced video that looks like professional people. You know, Mossberg's got several videos on his website, okay, yeah. like on his Facebook page. Right. And even the ones, like there's one where he's at, at a gun range or whatever like that. Right. And look, it's clearly, you know, it's probably shot on an iPhone and looks... 20 times better than this. Right, because he uses graphics, and it's it's the way it's edited, and the lighting is, is and it's taken in into consideration, and it's it's framed correctly. You know, there's a little bit of thought that goes into it. It's not that you can't do... But again, that's not his announcement video. That's a follow-up video, you know, that, hey, I'm at the gun range. Let's talk guns. I'm pro-guns. Watch me fire some. It's a fun, It's a fun video to have on social media. Okay, that's where that kind of quality is is more than acceptable. Kind of, kind of de rigueur. This is something that should have been very formal. Should have been very. I mean, we we covered all of these gubernatorial announcements. Some were better than others, to be sure, but all of them got these basics down. The Democrats get this stuff, and and I I you know. I I I I'm I I'm really at a loss. Right, and I'm and, and you know getting back to the all of a sudden the the focus on, um, on issues like opioids and you know and and you know rural broadband and very important issues. Yeah, but again, it reeks it, of political opportunism. It feels tactical and tacky. And well, I, I think so. You know, one of the things about Mass, Matt Mossberg. And we've talked to him a couple times, and and we whatever, he's he comes across I think is very real, right? Okay, you know if you if you find a story compelling, and I think he and I think he is selling his campaign predominantly on his personality, on his compelling life story to introduce himself to people. He comes across, um, and he's an engaging person. Okay, he may not be everybody's cup of tea, frankly. But that's what he does as a candidate that's so effective. I've always got the sense with Ami Hober that that she's very uncomfortable doing all this. She's not natural at it. The way she speaks oftentimes is very odd. She's she it it it, it um she's not as engaging and and certainly not as charismatic. And I think she realizes she's up against at least one opponent who is doing that. Who is is making some of these some of these very important issues? I mean, let's be honest. It, the, the opioid epidemic is a very important issue, and it is one that people are very passionate about, and is front and center. And you know, I I, I think she does need to engage in that. But it, but again, it comes off as I don't know. I, I I don't know. She got very emotional at one point in and kept going. And you know, I get that kind of stoicism and and kind of almost a patrician facade that people have i get it from a personality perspective but if you're going to be a candidate and you're going to engage personally you got you got to be real about it and you got to do it and um i don't know i just some of this some of this in her presentation which of course is not well framed and it's not well lit and it's not well focused you know, I I give her at least enough credit to say I think she's trying, but it's just it's just not natural for her, which is, you know, which is a bit off putting. Be who you are, be that thing, embrace it. 
I think people people want to connect with candidates. There aren't huge differences on the issues between these guys. There are a few important ones, to be sure. But personality is going to make a big difference um, when when people get to know these candidates, if they're all able to compete resource-wise to to get the name recognition up and then people actually and, do get to And know again, them. as we pointed out, uh, and then we'll have to start wrapping it up. Yeah, um, we should wrap it up anyway. We're, yeah. <laughs> we can't be doing two-hour shows every week. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, hey, that's how that's how committed we are to our to our listeners to bring No, our listeners content. are not that committed to us, nor should they be. <laughs> um, you know, the electorate in 2018 is going to be very different than 2016. 2016, everything was overshadowed by the presidential race. Ami Hober had high name identification, was the only candidate who really had any money, and was still only able to get 28% of the vote. You know, this electorate is going to be much more conservative than the electorate was in 2016. Presumably that so would be the case, So a candidate yes. who is, may or may not be more conservative, as far as I know, both, you know, Matt Mossberg and Brad Rorsch are both more conservative than Ami Hober. If one of them can catch fire... One of them is going to, you know, one or both of them have the opportunity to be very competitive um, with Ami Hober. And that says nothing about anybody else who might get in the race. Um, and, and again, yeah. we don't know the field. The field is not necessarily set at this. Exactly. Juncture. Exactly. All right. So let's go ahead and bring this show into port. All right. Greg, let's do that. I think it was a great show. Um, thank you to everybody who's still listening. Uh, as Greg Yeah. Thank you. Out. Um, the, uh, the number of days it took you to listen to it. <laughs> we appreciate that. Uh, we have, uh, of course, a whole a whole litany of programming here on the Red Maryland Network. Let's say, let's say plethora instead of litany. A cornucopia, if you a will. cornucopia, even better. Yeah. Um, on tomorrow will be another episode of a uh, treasure trove of programming. Tomorrow will be another episode of Red Maryland Election Focus. It's, it's uh, loaded and locked, and it'll be on your. If you subscribe, as Brian will tell you how to do, you'll get it first thing in the morning, automatically. Well, automatically download the device of your choice. That's right. Uh, Sunday is a brand new episode of The Air Raid with yours truly. Do not have a topic yet. What heretic will you be going after? Well, I mean, it it is Choose Your Own Adventure Sunday, so there's plenty to talk about. Um, Easy. I'll skip. probably skip that. I I would advise that. Uh, Tuesday, in theory... (laughs) will be another episode of uh, The Conservative Refuge with yes. Greg Klein. We're back Thursday for a brand new episode of The Flagship, Red Maryland Radio. Yes. And, uh, of course, throughout the week, Rob Carson, the Rob Carson show, dealing yeah. with the national stuff. Um, that uh, I mean, There's a lot of good ones uh, at redmaryland.com right now and, and in our feed, so... Definitely, definitely keep you busy with it. The home base for all things Red Maryland. It's redmaryland.com. While you're there, click on the support us link. You can find out how to uh, support us financially, which we uh, would love to have your support through advertising, buying some swag, using our Amazon link, donating it. All the money gets reinvested back in the network, folks. Yeah, to promote what we're doing and and get exposure for these candidates and and the information you heard about tonight that you're not hearing other places, we need your help to get that word out. Also talks about subscribing, um, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, the TuneIn Radio app, and Google yep. Play. You can yep. have, again, all these podcasts downloaded to the device of your choice. Subscribe to our newsletter. And, of course, follow us on social media, Facebook.com slash Red Maryland. We are on Twitter at Red Maryland. We are on Instagram at Red Maryland. And, of course, you can always email us, redmaryland at gmail.com. Good old-fashioned electronic mail. And, of course, you can call us on the Red Maryland Talkback line. If you think that we were wrong about anything... Oh, please do give us your feedback. Yeah, please give us your feedback. Especially you, Captain Announcement, Burrs. announcement, yeah, yes. Yeah. Captain, we're laying down the gauntlet. We want to hear your response. If you want to send us a video, we'll, we'll take that, too. 
410-205-4087. Wow. Let's try wow. that again. Let's start again. 410-205-4875. Give it one more time. 410-205-4875. Yes. And we will play your comments. The more negative, the better. Yeah, of course. We welcome And, it. of course, if you if you can't remember anything else, redmaryland.com. Yeah. Greg, final thoughts? Uh, long show. Good show. A lot of stuff. Uh, a couple of days ago, you were like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. So we yeah. we, we, we figured that Mischief out. Mischief managed. <laughs> so for everybody here at the network, thank you very much for listening. For Greg Klein, I am Brian Griffiths. You have been listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Oh, radio, tell me everything you know. I like to sing with the radio. I like to play it real loud. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.